checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. I actually ministered this last Wednesday in Fort Walton Beach. Um, I've not ministered it here. And I knew, man, when I started preaching, I said, man, I need to preach this back at home. And so now it's a little different than what I did in Fort Walton because I'm home. I'm with our church. And so we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse uh, 25 to 27. Now, I'm not here to minister on husbands and wives, okay? Uh, I'm here to minister on the latter part of that verse, and that is Christ also loved the what? The church and gave himself up for her. Now, what did he do? Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and blameless. Notice that Christ loved the church, okay? He gave himself for it, meaning because he died and he rose from the dead, he's poured out his blood on the mercy seat in heaven, has forgiven uh, every person of their sin. If they'll repent, they can receive that forgiveness, okay? That he's already done, but they have to repent. When they do, then the church, they come in to uh, the family of God, they come into the kingdom, and then God places them in the body where it pleases him. We'll see that verse here in a minute. And what he does then is then he sanctifies and cleanses it with the washing of, the, of water by the word, which means when we become a believer, then he gets us under the word so that the word can cleanse us, meaning it can renew our mind, change our thinking, release this new spirit that we are now in Christ, righteous, sanctified in the realm of the spirit, then we cause that to happen in our minds as well. We have to do that work. And that work is we submit to the word, we allow it to renew our mind, change our thinking so that we release who we are now in Christ. We, we live that life. We become uh, in demonstration to the world uh, what's changed on the inside of us in our spirit. And when we do that, then he can present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So again, God is, is here to drive anything out that's hindrance. Really in our thinking, now our spirit man's alive unto God. It's made righteous. Only God could do that. But we are a threefold nature man. We are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. It's our, it's our mind, will, and emotions in our soul realm that we have to cleanse with the washing of the water of the word so that we don't keep thinking like our old self. We don't respond like our old self because our old self is actually dead, right? The old has passed away. Now, in the spirit that's happened, but in the thinking that has not happened unless you commit yourself to um, the study of the word of God, and that's what the word of God will do. That way, when he shows up again, and is he showing up? He's coming back for his church. When Jesus comes again in the air, to catch away his church, this is the church he's coming back for. Okay? Now, Jesus is serious about his church. Because if you read the book of Revelation, there were seven churches at the time um, that he addressed through the apostle John um, in the book of Revelation, the first you know, four chapters. Uh, but they are still types of churches that exist today. And he called them churches, but he would say, now this is what you got going on great but this is my problem with you. Do you understand Jesus can have a problem with the church? 
Because again, he re- he's wanting not having spot or wrinkle. He's wanting them to be holy and without blemish. Are you hearing me? And so he would tell these churches, multiple ones, you're going to need to repent. You're going to need to change this. If this doesn't change, he said, I'm going to pull my candle from you. Meaning you're not going to be my church. Now you're my church now, but these are my, these are problems that I find in it in the church. And you need to fix this. If you do not fix this, then I'm going to pull my light from his church. So again, you can't live any old way you want to once you come into kingdoms, what I'm saying. Part of the reason why we're born again is so that we can release everything that God's called us to be. Hallelujah. And so there is a way to live, behave, function uh, in the earth. And God really wants this body called his church to um, demonstrate this um, to the world. And we're going to see that tonight. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, you know, it says, but now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desires. We said this in the past. It bears repeating today is that, listen, you don't have a right to pick your church. God picks your church for you. And again, you know, we have tons of guests that come through and say, well, we're trying it out. Well, you can try, but what you need to do is you need to hear the Holy Ghost. Right? You know, because a lot of people can come because, again, you bring your American, Americanized thinking, right? You know, well, I like this about the church, but I don't like that. and I don't like that. Well, that don't work in the kingdom. That's like going to God and say, well, I like this about you and like this about you, but I don't like this. I like that I don't have to go to hell, but I don't like that I have to actually live for you every day. Then I got to give this up. So can we compromise? You know what the Lord says? No. <laughs> he said, this is how you function with me. You shall love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, which is the threefold nature of man. I want your spirit. I want your soul. And I want your body. I want all your effort. Amen. And that's not too much to ask since he gave. He gave all. And when we give all, it is much better. I said it's much better. The Passion Translation it says it this way, but God has carefully designed each member and placed it in the body to function as he desires, which I like this translation about this because, again, God is placing the members, every one of them. There's not one person here that if they are born again, that God will not personally place you, which means he knows you individually. And here's the thing, when you be, get placed in the body where it pleases him, you, your individuality exists, but your independence dies. Okay? There is no such thing as being independent in the body. There is no such thing. Because if being born again is being in the body, well, then all of us have been born again. Being born again is just the entrance into the kingdom. Being placed in the body now is function. And we all don't have the same function. Because if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it tells us the hand and the foot are not the same. The eye and the ear are not the same. And one can't tell the other, I don't need them. Nor can one say, because I'm not something else, I don't need to be there. Right? And boy, don't you run around some... Uh, run, uh, run into some Christians sometimes that say, well, I, we don't have to go to church. 
You know, I don't need a pastor. I mean, they're violating 1 Corinthians 12. You can't say you don't need. Amen. So as a result of that, um, we then are going to find our function in the body. And if you do your function and I do my function, then at the end of the day, we will all flow together. And again, Paul uses the body because even now as I minister to you, a lot of things are happening. Right? I'm walking, my knees are working, my calves are working, my quads are working, my hands are moving, bicep, elbow, you know, my tendons, ligaments, you know, my heart's pumping, obviously, because if it wasn't, I'd be down. You know, I'm breathing, my mind is moving, my brain is functioning, I mean, my nervous system, I mean, all kinds of things are flowing right now. My digestive system is working, and it's, you know, working that I just don't have to go to the bathroom right now, but it's still in the process of doing something. Are you hearing me? And all these things are working together. They're not competing against each other. They're, they're just flowing as they're supposed to be. So again, you know, we say, well, that's your body. Although we can in, identify individual things, you know, in doctors, they even specialize in certain parts of the body. But again, the minute you diagnose something going on in one part of your body without taking into account all of your body, you can do a misdiagnosis. Are you hearing me? A misdiagnosis. You know, a lot of things that go on in your body physically can be a result of your stomach or your mouth, your gums, your teeth. And you need to fix those. And you may not even think it's, you're, you're trying to deal with a symptom somewhere that it may be related to something else. You know, because even Paul said in, when it came to the body, he says, if one hurts, we all hurt. It's amazing how that little toe, when you stub it at night, all of a sudden wakes your whole body up <laughs> and gets your mouth to talk. <laughs> I mean, the mouth wasn't going to say anything until the toast, you know, hit the, hit the side of the bed. Are you hearing me? Uh, so I find it very, I find it awesome that God loves us so much and he knows us so intimately. He knows us in great detail, but he also knows exactly where we fit. Now, we've talked about doing this before, uh, although I haven't done it, um, but I do know that puzzles, a lot of times uh, made by manufacturers, have the exact same die that cuts out the puzzle. And I, in the past, I've talked about maybe getting two puzzles that the same company, you know it's the same cut, but then start mixing the puzzle pieces. Because one can actually fit in the other because the dies cut the same. They're, they're, but the picture's different. And you know, you can fit perfect, but be the wrong picture. You could be like doing something somewhere thinking, man, this is my, this is exactly how I am, but you're, you're portraying a wrong picture because you're not even supposed to be assigned there. Now, how many of you, you know, who did puzzles, you tried to force some things before? Yeah, you're like, surely you fit. <laughs> this, I mean, we can become convinced it has to be this one. I've looked everywhere, so we're putting it there. You're like, man, it looks like it might have a little gap. That's ah, got to be it. <laughs> right? Nah, God's not here to force us into a position. He's here to lock us in where it fits right, and all of, our, all of us are showing the same picture. Right? We're supposed to be where we're at. So with that being said, Ephesians chapter 4, we'll start 1 through 8. I'm going to read out the Passion Translation. It says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I 
plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank given to you in your divine calling. You know what your high rank is. You're an ambassador. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another, especially towards those who may try your patience. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace. Let me stop there for a second. Now, when he says, with tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards others, especially towards those who may try your patience, he's not talking to the world here. He's talking about those in the body. Because in the body, we're all growing. You know, when we get born again, Paul calls us a babe in Christ. Both him and Peter said we need to desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow. And you know what? Sometimes, especially when it comes to babies, babies don't actually, um, you know, take you into consideration a lot of times. Right. Like, you know, it's two o'clock in the morning. Why are you crying? And I have to go pick you up now. Right. Don't you know it's time to sleep? You should sleep all night. Um, But so in the body of Christ, there are things that are taking place. Uh, as people are growing and we still need to be extremely patient because people are having their minds renewed and we got to believe in who they are in their spirit and that it's just a matter of time before they'll eventually get that mind flipped over and we can just be patient. Are you hearing me? So be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace. So we want to guard this. Guard what? Harmony. Harmony is a big deal. He said, being one body and one spirit, just as you were called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. So we are one body. Say one body. body. Say one spirit. spirit. So there's a oneness that God is looking to achieve when it comes to his church. Let's go on. And it says this in verse six. And he is the perfect father who leads us all, works through us all and lives in us all. Okay, and he has generously given each one of us supernatural grace according to the size of the gift of Christ. Every one of us has supernatural grace, right? This is why it says he ascended into high uh, heavenly heights, taking his many captive ones with him and and gifts were given to men. So every one of us has been given a gift from God. He's gifted us with a supernatural grace to function in his body just as he designed you. And you will never, I'm just going to be honest, you will never get to the perfect peace in life until you attain to the place that you know I'm in the body exactly where God wants me. And you can't wait to function in that capacity. Because when you do that, man, everything else is just going to run you down. I mean, you cannot, I mean, you can violate scripture, but it's better to do scripture. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be what? Added to you. So if you're seeking first the kingdom, then you're going to want to seek the king on where he has placed you in the body and what that function is. And then you want to be obedient to that role. With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Your daily, your Monday through Friday job should not get all your effort. God's church shouldn't be second thought to us. It should be what's motivating our life. You may not be here full time, 
But you should be thinking, well, the next time service, I know we're doing this and we got this plan and this is going here. And man, I'm all about doing it because God's placed me in the body where it pleases him. It's my greatest role in the earth. Okay. Verse 11, jump down there. He says, and he appointed some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets and some with grace to be evangelists and some with grace to be pastors and, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling, that's the fivefold ministry, is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do, this will, this, this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. So when the fivefold ministry accepts its function to then train the saints to do their function, then the whole church gets better. It builds it up. Amen. Amen. Then he goes on and says, these grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith. Say oneness. oneness. Until we all experience the fullness of what is meant to know the Son of God. And finally, we become one perfect man with the full dimension of spiritual, here it is, maturity. And fully developed in the abundance of Christ. God never intended for you just to get born again. Never. Being born again is just the entrance into the greatest life you could ever live on the earth while you're separated physically from the king. Being born again is what gets you entrance into his kingdom so you can see his kingdom then you should experience his kingdom and you should come together with other brothers, sisters in Christ and do a work together that's so amazing that even the world will be in awe. And he never designed that we would stay immature. Let's put it this way. God never built his church to stay a preschool. Because the church, according to the Bible, is to be the pillar and support of truth. The world should be asking the church. So talk to me about marriage. Y'all know what that is. Talk to me about economics. Y'all know what that is. Talk to me about government. You know what that is. Talk to me about parenting. You know what that is. We hold the truth of all aspects of life. Talk to me about healing. We know this. Because we hold the truth. We are the truth. Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Yeah. And so we should be so passionate about truth. But if you're immature, then you're not going to be able to display all that we actually have. He goes on and says in verse 14, he says, and then our, our immaturity will end. So God never wanted us to stay immature. We have to press on to maturity. Now, we know naturally that the body itself, when a child is born, because of its DNA, obviously if it's fed right, okay, it will naturally grow to a physical maturity. But we know a lot of people that are in physically mature bodies that are immature mentally. <laughs> right? I mean, I remember going back to like my 20 year anniversary, maybe it was my 30 year 
uh, high school reunion, I mean. And um, <laughs> I, I got there, and I'm just like, these people are still out like they're in high school. I mean, it's like I went back in time, but, you know, they don't look the same. <laughs> A lot of miles on their face. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I mean, it's like same. Same mentality, same way of thinking, everything. It's crazy. You know, but what's, what's even more crazy is someone to get born again and 10, 20 years later, they're still um, being led by their flesh, full of trouble, the devil beating them up all the time. You're like, wow, you didn't grow up at all? So then our immaturity will end and we will not be easily shaken by trouble nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. But instead, we will remain strong, always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him, the anointed head of his body, the church. For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. The, and every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. You know, as I read this, I realized that the preaching of a personal relationship with the Lord alone has greatly hindered the ultimate plan of God. Has ultimately hindered the, the plan of God. That, you know, when we've reduced the Bible to, you just need to ask people if they're born again. You need to see if they get saved. You know, let's just get them saved. The minute we reduce all that the Bible says to just this one little thought process, the door process. How do you get in? You must be born again. Okay? And that's all we're addressing. Then ultimately we lose what God ultimately planned for those who did get into his kingdom while they remained in the earth. You know, and saying, well, you know, have you made Jesus your personal savior? You know, like our relationship with God is just personal. And, it, and you do have a personal relationship. I'm not, it's not saying that. But if all you're thinking about is your personal relationship with God and not the church that he's the head of, then you are going to be, uh, you're basically saying, I am going to be immature my whole existence in the earth. I will not grow. And again, you can give them around people like that. And they're like, well, I, you know, I asked the Lord to come to my heart and save me, which that's not in the Bible. Come into my heart and save me. Okay. You know, there's a little saying that comes across, but God does not come into your heart and save you. God changes your spirit, man. He puts out the old spirit and puts in a new one. Okay. He's not in your heart. Right. He bears witness with your spirit. You are a child of God once you confess Jesus as Lord. And lordship is actually the right way is the right into the kingdom. Okay. Um, so if we don't watch out, we, and we see this takes place, especially in our nation where, you know, it's just about getting somebody to do a quick prayer and then letting them know you're right. And at this point, doesn't matter what you do when you die, you go to heaven. And yet the ultimate prize of what God and what God's coming back for. 
Because again, I get it. People are saying, you know, well, the church isn't a building. I get that it's not a building. I mean, because all of us could go outside and still be the church. But you can't be the church by yourself. It just can't happen. Now, you can be by yourself, but you're guaranteeing you're dying. Because again, when Jesus said, I will build my church, you know, it means of me. And I've said this before, you know, here's my iPad, right? It's mine. I'm sitting it right here. It's still mine, but I'm over here. It's still mine. But that's not the my Jesus is talking about. Here's my arm. Now, my arm is of me. Now, can I leave my arm on the pulpit without me being there? Yes, but that means I have to sever it and it's cut off from the blood. And the minute I cut my arm and leave it there, it's dying. Now, you can maybe poke it and it twitch or something, you know, and there may be a shelf life for them to maybe reconnect it and potentially save it. But, you know, you leave it there a few months. We ain't resurrecting the arm. Outside supernatural power of God, it's just going to wither up and it's going to be a little in our trophy case. Until the flesh falls off and then it just turns into, you know, the bone, the skeleton, right? And then I have to have me a, um, you know, a prosthetic, which was not what God intended. Something artificial. Hallelujah. So when we say that we love God and I have a personal relationship, well, let me tell you what the head of the church is saying. Get to church. Get together with other believers. I have an assigned function for you that you can't do without the rest. Because I did not die for you to go to heaven. I died so I could come and live in you and empower the world. Because for us, we need to understand that the next greatest move of God is the maturing of the church. If he says that he wants to present himself with this church that's without spot or wrinkle and that's without blemish, then it means that we can attain to it. If he sent the fivefold ministry to bring us to full maturity, then we can get there. And as a pastor, you know, when I began to really seek the Lord because he called me to be this, and I began to read scripture concerning his church and the role that I had and the function that I had concerning the saints. I'm like, I have to make a demand that we mature. Yes. I can't compromise the word. This is why Paul said in the book of Acts when he was leaving the church of Ephesus, he said, I am innocent of the blood of all men. Why could he say that? He said, because I've not withheld from you the full counsel of God. I'm going to give you everything you need so that you can grow up spiritually and that you can become one, that you guard uh, the sweet harmony that comes around a group of people collected together, sharing the same faith, the same spirit, the same vision, flowing in the same direction so that God can be glorified in a particular location. And that's what God wants to do. Because when the church unifies then some amazing things take place. Look what it says in Psalms 133, verses one through two. It says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell, to bre- for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment uh, poured on the head that ran down on the beard, even the beard of Aaron, the first high priest, that came upon the collar and the, and the skirts of his garment, consecrating the whole 
body. Now, who's the head of the church? Who is the high priest? Jesus. And Jesus is the head of the church. Is Jesus anointed? Because the oil represents the anointing. And Jesus, when he came up out of the Jordan River, God said uh, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And the Lord, Father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Later on, Jesus says, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me. And if he's anointed Jesus, then guess what? You are anointed as well because it flowed down from the head all the way down the body. Because we are the whole body of Christ. And notice when this takes place, he says, how pleasant, good and pleasant is that brethren dwell in what? Unity. Let me say it this way. You're free from selfish ambitions. You only want to do one thing. You want to fulfill the function that God has placed for you in his body and how he, de he deploys you out in the world, whether it's through your own business, whether it's through another type of job, in family, um, whatever the case may be, you still come and collect here because this causes who you are to be um, released so that you are the greatest ambassador for God. And when we come together as God calls us to, then we'll be a greater force on the earth than we could ever be individually. Uh, when I saw this, I began to realize something really important that is not in church growth strategies, but it needs to be. And that is, it's more important to grow unity among the brethren or disciples in the church than to grow numbers without unity. I mean, I can't tell you how many churches in the United States right now, all it is is about growth tracks. How do we get more people in? How do we get more people in? And we're not even trying to unify the people we have. We're not trying to walk in unity. We're not trying to unify, be of one faith, one spirit, speaking and saying the same thing. We spend more time just trying to get another unbeliever in, another unbeliever in that we don't develop the believers that are there. So we have an immature church that cannot fight the good fight of faith. Now, they may be the largest church in the community, but they respond in the community like the rest of the community. When trouble hits, they act the same way. When the issue hits, they act the same way. When trial comes, they act the same way. Uh, they just kind of throw a little caveat. Well, Lord, if it's your will. Or, you know, um, you know, we're just praying the Lord to do something. Well, the Lord to do his word. If you'll walk by faith. Amen. And God's gracious. Don't get me wrong. Full of mercy. There's a lot he's doing for his church to help them along way more than he is in the world. But when the church comes together and say, what does the king say? And how does he want us to respond to this situation? And then we relay and say, let's do this. Then we all unify. Now, tell me, what is the power of unity when it came to COVID? Because when COVID came out, the whole world did the same thing. Nations shut down. Nations are standing. Nations of different tongues and tribe are, are standing six feet away from each other, wearing masks. We never lived this kind of existence. Never heard of the word social distance. 
Yet they unified. And what kind of power was that? Come on, y'all know. Because when you didn't want to go out and wear your mask, then all of a sudden the world's looking at you like, what's wrong with you? I mean, you were like, you felt like you were a rebel. <laughs> your church is still meeting? What's wrong with y'all? Well, it's because we didn't unify that way. We chose to unify another way. Because our unity is supposed to be around God. I'm just saying there's power in unity. When unity comes, it brings a thing called leverage. Because all of a sudden power comes. And we see plenty of people unify around causes. We see it on the news. We see rallies. We see demonstrations. We see um, protests. What are they doing? They're saying, and then they have the same little, you know, worship songs, right? They'll chant these same things. And it's like, and, it, and, and some of it's so big, they'll, it, it across nations. And they'll say the same things. Why? Because they're, wanting, they're unified and unity makes people look. Because the devil knows a house divided. The church would be so awesome if it would just unify. Because the church can say, yeah. You, man, if you only knew the baggage that was laid up in our congregation, but you wouldn't know about it because it's under the blood. Because we're not pulling out our old life all the time. Talking about how and then examining our new life in light of our old life. We're only taking our cues from the king himself. We're developing a kingdom culture. And we come from every tongue, every tribe, every nation, but yet we still follow one king, one father, one Holy Spirit. When people ask us, we say, well, well it is written. Yeah. Amen. Yep. Amen. Amen. Yes. We say, well, I have no opinion in the matter, but my king says. Amen. And you know what they're going to say? Well, they're brainwashed. Well, our, my, our brain has been washed by the word. <laughs> Amen. Make no mistake about it. Your mind's been washed with the word, but you freely do that. Hallelujah. It's the rest of the world that's brainwashed. Brain dead, actually. There's strength in unity. Okay. What's it say in Matthew 18, 18 to 20? It says, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything, that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. Power. I said there's power in unity. And if the church can quit coming and coming together and say, well, you know, I love Jesus, they love Jesus, but that's the only unity we have. Well, then we're not going to take the move, the strength that God intended. Look at this in first Corinthians chapter one, starting in verse 10. The passion says it this way. I urge you, my brothers and sisters, for the sake of the name of our Lord Jesus, to agree to live in unity with one another and put to rest any division that attempts to tear you apart. Be restored as one united body living in perfect harmony. Form a consistent. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Form a consistent choreography among yourself, having a common perspective with shared values. Yeah, the Lord just showed me the body. Okay, so <laughs> there's a thing called tan lines. Anybody heard of tan lines before? Yeah. You understand, we come together, we're one body, but we don't look alike. You can't let the color of your skin divide you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This way, you can't have no division among you. So again, you can't say, well, because we're not the same color. I mean, I can wear a shirt and, and, and pants all the time and get out and get some really dark arms and a neck and then take off and be boo white with real dark arms. Are you hearing me? And it's on the same body. That's what I'm trying to say. It's on the same body. Amen. I mean, probably everybody in this room is a little different color somewhere. Yeah. I mean, unless, you know, you're tanning all natural somewhere and that's fine. Or you don't tan at all and it's just boo everywhere. My point is, is that we need to say, we're not going to let division hit. Why would we ever let the world's divisive words come into this place? Why would we take up and say, well, that's my people. There's only two types of people in the planet. There are those of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. That's the only type of people there are. So when you say my people, there's only one my people if you're a child of God, and that's the children of God. And they don't look the same. Again, we identify nationally. Well, if you're going to identify nationally, identify with the kingdom. Don't identify with Europe. Don't identify with Asia. Don't identify with Africa. Identify with the king. Because the king owns the planet anyway. And again, when they come in, they should see us hugging and loving and saying the same thing. And none of us are talking about this past and that past and the way this was treated and that. We're just like, man, we love the king. We love the king. We're going to follow the king. And we're going to obey the king. And we're going to move towards what he says only. And you can't break us up. You can't divide us. You can't split us. You can't make us come against each other. Amen. And he's like, man, if we could just get into this, something powerful will happen. Let me show you what will happen. This is so powerful. Man, I want this so bad. I want this so bad. And I think we're on the precipice of potentially being this in our own county. I mean, we may be closer than I think. But, you know, I want us to get there. John chapter 17, look at this in verse 18. This is so good. This is what unity would do. And man, when we only look at God as a personal relationship, like we really have no obligation to function in the body as God pleases him. We don't have to obligate ourselves to make sure we're doing the vision of the place he planted us. And it's not our number one thinking. Then we will hinder this, ver this section of scripture from happening. Jesus Christ is talking. Okay, this is your king. He says, I've commissioned them. He's, now, this is his prayer to his father before he goes to the cross. He said, I have commissioned them to represent me just as you commissioned me to represent you. 
And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live a fully dedicate, will live as fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. And I do not ask only for these disciples, but also for all, say all, all. those who will one day believe in me through their message. Well, do you believe in him through the messages of those disciples? Yes. Yeah. So this is us. What's he want for us? Verse 21. I pray for them all, say all, all. to be joined, what? Together, Together as one. Notice he didn't say, I, you know, desire that everyone would just get saved. Because that's all that matters is they ask me to come into their heart. That when they die, they go to heaven. No, he said that we would be joined together as one. Joined together as one. Even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. Notice Jesus told his disciples, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In essence, he's saying, look, if these guys will join together as one, then when the community sees that church, they'll see me. Let's go on. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world. The who? World. The who? The world. That's the lost. And what will the lost do? Will recognize that you sent me. You know why people don't understand that the father sent Jesus? It's because the church hasn't unified. I mean, if all you're telling the world is, yeah, but listen, I asked Jesus to come into my heart and save me. And so when I die, I go to heaven, but you haven't, and you're going to go to hell. But you live like I do. Yeah, but I'm still saved. We were drinking last night. Yeah, but you understand, I'm saved. You cuss like I do. Yeah, but you know what? God's grace is on my life different than yours, and I'm saved. Well, you're mad at our boss. I mean, you, you said all kinds of stuff. I'm like, I mean, that's how we respond. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saved. I mean, we're not perfect now, but we're saved. No, the Lord's like, you want to impress the world? Get in unity. Get in unity and mature. Because if you let the, the fivefold ministry build you up and they'll all come together as one, no longer independent of each other, but dependent upon each other, individually expressing your gifts, coming together under the same covering as God assigned, then when you go around marching, when you go around doing, the world will recognize that the Father has sent me. So again, you know, we stress the independent theory of witnessing. Go out and tell someone about Jesus. When Jesus stresses, the unity of the body is the greatest witnessing tool. The world should come in here and say, how can there be all these people looking different from all these different types of background and they love each other like this? How in the world can these people, 
How can they get, how can there's not fighting? How can there's not gossiping? How come there's not, cause see, we aren't supposed to gossip. We're not supposed to backbite. We're not supposed to live unholy. We're not supposed to live fleshly. We're not supposed to live uh, by selfish ambition. We're not supposed to, we're supposed to all be functioning with the fruits of the spirit. And then the fruits of the spirit are flowing through us all. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. We're just flowing in this so well. Doesn't matter what we look like. We're worshiping our king together. We're saying the same thing from the word. We're standing in faith. You know, we rejoice under trial. You know, we, we uh, are full of joy when trouble comes our way. And they're like, what is going on with this group of people? They're not from the world. We become the greatest witnessing tool ever. He goes on and says, for the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them so that they may be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me. Now I live fully in them, man, so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be what? Convinced. Convinced that you have sent me. For they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. So there's something about coming together in unity, developing this unity, where again, we're preferring one another. You know, we've gotta be passionate about one another. We got to rally each other's causes, champion each other's gifts. Amen. And you know what? Your gift will make room for you. I can't tell you how many times people have come in and, you know, they had their own personal agenda. You know, want to be placed here, da, da, da. Well, you know, your gift will make room for you. And you know what? There's too many people being used here now for that not to happen. But there's growth and development. All kinds of stuff takes place for us to be able to do all that God's called us to do. But it says, listen, he said, I'm going to give them my glory. You know how many times people are like, man, I just wish the glory of God would show up, you know? Well, you want to know how the glory shows up? Let's look at it in 2 Chronicles because this is where people reference this a lot of times. But you need to see what causes his glory, and Jesus already referenced this as well, but we're going to look at it. Second Chronicles 5, 11 to 14 says this. When the priests came forth from the holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without regard to divisions. And all the Levitical singers, all these people and their sons, clothed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, they stood at the east of the altar with, with them 120 priests blowing trumpets. In unison, when the trumpets and the singers uh, were to make themselves heard with one voice to praise and to glorify the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice, accompanied by the trumpets, the cymbals and music, instruments of music, and when they praised the Lord, saying, He indeed is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting, then the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house. Notice they were in unison. In unison. Unity is a big deal. Yeah. Unity first starts in the heart. That's right. That's right. You know, because even Jesus himself, I'll use this example. Jesus was in uh, Peter's uh, mother-in-law's 
house and he was ministering to people and it was packed out. So much so that people were outside. They couldn't even all get in their house, okay? And so four guys here that Jesus is in town, they have a friend that's paralyzed, right? And they say, we're going to take you to Jesus. You're going to get healed. And so they put him on his mat and they carry him and they get to the house. They're like, we can't even get in. Well, what are we going to do? None of them were going to turn back. We get into Jesus. So they said, we're going to get on the roof, rip the roof off, and man, we'll lower you down. So they got on the roof, started tearing a woman's roof off. Okay? And then lower this guy. And as this guy starts coming down from the ceiling, Jesus looking up, seeing him, is like, wow. He says, seeing their faith. Not just the guy on the mat, all of them. Because these guys were committed that Jesus can heal you. Jesus is in the room with people. He's teaching the word. And he says, man, your sins are forgiven. The minute he says that, he identified the ones who were not in unity. Because there were religious people in there. And when Jesus said that, he said, only God can, bla- uh, can, uh, only God can forgive sins. This is blasphemy, right? And then Jesus says, why do you say in your heart? Now he's got a word of knowledge. And he says, why do you say in your heart? These particular things. He said, to let you know. That I have authority on earth to forgive sins and to heal. Because he said, which is easier? Whether forgive the man of sin or healing. So let you know I have authority on earth to do both. He said, take up your mat and go. And the guy stood up, took his mat, and walked out of the house. Hallelujah. My point is, is that you can be in, in the church, even in this church, and yet in your heart not be committed to what's going on. You can even hear the word and and rejoice for yourself only, but not want that to be distributed to the ones around you. You could come and say, I want to grow, but don't realize your growth is not just for you. I want to grow so that I can be the best that I can be for everyone else. Because my growth is not just for me. My growth is for my brothers and sisters. The stronger I am, the stronger we are. The more I walk in love, the better we all are. The more that I hear the Spirit of God and are led by the Spirit, the better we all are. Because it's not just about me. Because the kingdom's not just about you. Yet we've sold a message that it's just about you. Yet Jesus didn't sell that message. Jesus said, man, I want you to bring you into my family. I want us to get unified. I want us to be of one mind, one accord. Listen, there will be absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, in the end times with the new heaven and new earth, there will be no division among the household of God. Not a trace will be there. Yet the Lord is allowing us to know that even in the earth today, We can move to a plane of maturity as a church that can unify in such a way that the world will know that Jesus sent, was sent by the Father. That the world will recognize. Man, in that church, man, they feed each other. They take care of each other. They rally around each other. They don't talk bad about each other. You couldn't get one to talk bad about another one. Couldn't even get one. I mean, they should be like, this is the holiest group I've ever seen in my life. And again, you are holy when you're living the world. Now, that doesn't mean we can't make a mistake, we can't falter, we can't fall down. But the Bible says a righteous man may fall down seven times, but what happens? He gets up because we as brothers, what do we do? We go and rally around each other and say, hey, I saw you stumble, let me help you back up. 
Or we rally around and say, hey, what you're, what you're doing right now, how you're talking, isn't pleasing to our Father. And you're like, yep, you're right. I repent, man. I'm not doing that. Let me get back over in here. I know what's the best thing for me. I'm not going to get caught up in this. I'm not going to get caught up in an offense. I'm not going to get caught up in bitterness. I'm not going to have that. You know what? We're going to stay together. This thing's bigger than me. And when we unify in this kind of place, man, I'm telling you, then the glory of God can move into this place even more so. Because he's like, look at that group. Look at this, uh, my body who's collecting upon the same place. I mean, I, it could take us till Jesus comes just to unify the ones we have today. Now, I want to grow. I want to see more people come into the kingdom. But when you get into the kingdom, you can't stay a baby. Because babies don't win the fight of faith. We're going to have to develop into ones that we can come alongside each other and you can come just like tonight. You know, I was dealing with some symptoms myself and I'm like, I'm, I know I'm not the only one and I've already heard. So we might as well just help the ones that are dealing with symptoms and let's just lay hands on them. Why? Because if you're hurting, I'm hurting. Now, we don't have to have that kind of call for you to get healed. You could walk into the church and say, hey, listen, man, I've had some symptoms. Can you lay hands on me? Well, yeah, I would love to lay hands on you. We're believers together. We're in the body. We're unified. I believe that God heals just like you believe God heals. And man, we touch and agree. And we get more and more accomplished. So God wants us to mature. We are destined for maturity. Now, you got to understand not everybody matures. I get it. Some just want to be childish. Paul said, when I was a child, I think I thought as a child, I acted like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. The only childlike you need to keep is, is childlike faith. Believe God like a child. Whatever dad says, I do it. I, I, I do not get intellectual on this deal. I'm not trying to say, well, now, Lord, you're going to have to, I got to figure this out. No, you said it. That's it. I fully trust you. Got it. Even if I have no idea how you're going to do it, doesn't matter. I got your word now and I'm doing this thing because you cannot fail. You never fail in your word. Period. But we are stronger together than we would ever be independent. And Anchor Faith Church is going to unify. We're going to mature. We're going to continue to develop. And then this county, this state, this nation and the world is going to say, I don't know how they do it. They must be from God. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.